follow her. Gollum. He's been following us for three days. He escaped the dungeons of Barad-dûr. Escaped. Or was set loose. But now the ring has drawn him down. He will never be rid of his need for it. He hates and loves the ring. As he hates and loves himself. Smeagol's life is a sad story. Yes, Smeagol, he was once called. Before the ring found him. Before it drove him mad. It's a pity Bilbo didn't kill him when he had the chance. Pity? It was pity that stayed Bilbo's hand. Many that lived deserved death. And some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them, Frodo? Do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment. Even the very wise can see all ends. My heart tells me that Gollum has some part to play yet. For good or ill. Before this is over. The pity of Bilbo. I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. meant to find the ring, in which case you also were meant to have it. And that is an encouraging thought. All you have to decide, all you have to decide, says Gandalf to his young friend Frodo, is how you will use the time that's been given to you. Gandalf, the old, wiser, more experienced mentor, speaks to to young Frodo. He doesn't tell him what to do. He doesn't make him take on this burden of the ring. He, He leaves the choice to him. And along the way, he advises and he encourages and he gives him a purpose. He gives him a mission. He gives him a reason. Sometimes I think we need older, wiser, more experienced persons to speak into our lives. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about older, wiser, like, like older, like Wade Landers or, or, uh, um, Tom Lawson or older, like Mike Ackerman, you know, just old guys to speak into our lives. You know what I'm saying? There's a, there's a story in the Bible of an, of an older, more mature, experienced person who has lived many years, who, who passes on knowledge to someone younger. And, and I think of that story, and the story is the story of Eli and Samuel. Whenever I imagine Eli, in my mind, he looks like Gandalf. He's, he's older, he's a big guy, he's got a long gray beard, long gray hair, long robe, I, I, maybe even the pointy hat, you know, definitely a staff. But that's, he looks like Gandalf. That's what I've got in my mind. And uh, Eli is a priest, and for many years he had been used by God to lead his people. Unfortunately, his sons were evil. His sons would have become, well, they were going to be priests also. 
They were priests also, but, but uh, they were evil. They, they took advantage of God's people. They took advantage of the young women who came to work at the house of God. They, they treated God with contempt. They treated the offerings with contempt. And so God decided Eli's family was no longer going to be priests. And, and so he chose someone else. He chose a young boy named Samuel. Samuel's parents had dedicated him to God when he was just a child. And he was living at the place of worship and serving under Eli. One night in his sleep, Samuel hears a voice and thinking that it's Eli, he gets up from his bed and goes into Eli's room and says, yes, you called me. What do you need? And Eli, groggy from being woken up, looks at him and says, I didn't call you. Go, go back to your bed. So he goes back to bed and, and, uh, and a little while later, he hears the voice again and he gets up and he goes in, Eli, you, you called me. What do you need? You know, getting woke up once is one thing. Getting woke up twice, your night is shot. You know, I mean, just getting back to sleep, you know what I'm talking about. And so he's probably a little... Well, if it was me, a little grouchy at this time. Go back to bed. I didn't call you. And so Samuel goes back to his bed. Happens again. Third time he gets up. Well, I don't think Eli's gone back to sleep. He's been woken up twice. So he's there and he's thinking. And he realizes God had spoken to him many times. He's trying to speak to Samuel. And so he says to Samuel, the next time you hear this voice... Answer this way. Speak, Lord, for I am your servant and I am listening. Now go back to bed. He goes back to bed and sure enough, it happens again. Another time and and that's exactly what happened. Speak, Lord, for I am your servant and I am listening. To move with God, you've got to hear his voice. Samuel wasn't able to recognize the voice of God yet. The Bible tells us that he didn't know God well enough yet, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him, 1 Samuel 3, 7. He needed someone older and wiser to point that out to him, that God was speaking to him, and to listen to the voice of God. And and Samuel was encouraged to do just that. It's difficult to move with God if we can't hear him. It's hard to move with him if we can't hear him. Lock-ins. Parties that last all night for high school and middle school. I I guess I'd been a youth minister for 10 years when I realized that lock-ins were of Satan. (laughs) I have no idea why it took me so long to figure that out. I'm a little slow on the uptake sometimes. Uh, I guess uh, I finally realized that there were much better and more effective ways to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish that yet I never did through a lock-in by doing some other things. Regardless of my epiphany, I allowed myself to be talked into helping with a lock-in by my good friend Dan. He was holding a citywide lock-in to bring in the new year 2005. It was huge. It was huge. It was held in a convention center and, 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 and uh, there was food and all these great places to go and hang out. And there was a basketball court and there were uh, 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 houses, bouncy houses. Yeah, yeah, there were inflatable games, there was a, a, a DJ and a dance floor, and there were bike ramps and skate ramps, I mean, just a huge party going on. And then there was the 10 foot by 16 foot room that I was in. Dimly lit, a few Bibles, some chairs, a sign outside that said, prayer room. If you need to escape from the noise, come on in. Or if you want to talk to someone, come on in. <laughs> For two hours, I was in the prayer room by myself. Except for the few people that came in kind of like this. Because they were pushed through the door by a friend who thought it'd be funny. And then they'd go back out and I can imagine the conversation. What was in there? I don't know. Just some creepy old guy. 
was about 11.40 that, that Cole walked in. Never met Cole before, 15 years old. He comes in and he says, Hey, it's okay if I come in here. It's just really loud out there. And the sign says if, if I want to escape the noise, to come on in. Is it okay if I talk to you? The sign says that if I want to talk to somebody, I'd come in and talk to him. So far, this was pretty easy. He's asking questions and answering them himself. <laughs> it's going well. He says, You know, I, I've got a question. I wanted to know if, if God would talk to me. If God would speak to me. You see, there, there's this girl I kind of like. And, and I'm kind of wanting to know if she's the one. Because if she's not the one, I really don't want to spend a whole lot of time and money on her. And <laughs> honestly, I'm thinking to myself, ah, practical man. I like this guy. <laughs> and, and he goes on and he says, so I was asking God if, if he would talk to me. And, and so then I reached out and, and I held her hand and it felt like electricity or something. And I wondered if that was God talking to me. <laughs> I want to say, you know, it's probably your raging hormones. But I didn't say that. I, I just asked him questions and, and listened and he talked and I listened some more. And his dad had been in prison since he was, oh, just a little baby. He writes some letters now and then hoping to get one back. Never has. He lived with his mom for a long time, but things got a little crazy there and a little dangerous, so he was moved out of his mom's house and went to live with his aunt for a few years. And, and then, then things got better for his mom, so he's back with his mom now. An hour and a half passed until my shift was over, and Cole stayed the entire time. We talked. Some of his friends came li- looking for him, and they stayed for a while, and I talked with them. And some other students came in now and then, and, and I would talk with some, listen a lot, and pray with a few. Cole wanted to hear the voice of God. Can you wrap your mind around that? Can you wrap your mind around that whole idea of just hearing the voice of God? Sometimes I I think that we can't hear God speak today because we don't listen very well. My dear wife, Debbie, (laughs) on occasion has told me that I'm not a very good listener. It could be that I'm looking at a phone when she's talking to me or, or maybe I'm just distracted by things going around me or, or there's other people, by, people walking by and I just get a little distracted or, or maybe something crosses my line of vision and squirrel, I, I, just, uh, I, you know, I just don't pay very good attention. Sometimes life, life can be really busy and crazy and hurried and filled with so many things we can't hear God. To move with God, you've got to listen to his voice. What's God's call in your life? What's God want you to do? Where does he want you to go? Where does he want you to live? What kind of things does he want you to do? Those, those are good questions. It's probably about five, six years ago. One of my uh, life group guys came into my office. His name is Patrick. Comes in and he sits down and he says, I'm 24 years old. I got to get out of here. I got to figure out what I'm doing with my life. I don't know. So how am I supposed to know what, I mean, how do I know what God wants me to do with my life? And I go, I've been asking God the same question. He goes, no way. You're old. You're supposed to know by now. (laughs) Yeah, right? You'd think so. But I still ask God. I love what I get to do, but I still ask God, God, is this what you want me to do? God, if there's something else you want me to do, you'll let me know, right? You'll tell me, right? We talked about it some, and then we laughed at the way we make a plan, and, and sometimes God leads us inside of our plan, and sometimes he leads us way outside of what we've got in mind. 
We ask God to open a door, close a door, show us a sign. The problem is that it's we are telling God what to do. God may not show us the future, but I know he wants us to follow him today and each day after that. If you want to find God's will, find God. If you want to find God's will, find God, and then his will finds you. How many times have I made decisions, have you made decisions, large or small, without consulting God? And then after the decision is made, we look back and we say, was that the will of God or was that the will of Kevin? Even if it was a good decision, if God wasn't consulted, it's much more likely that it was the will of Kevin rather than the will of God. Now, I doubt that many of you are asking yourselves each day when you get up, what is the will of Kevin? Except perhaps my, my mentor group. Right, guys? Yeah, yeah. Circle of trust? Yeah, okay, yeah. I imagine they ask that pretty much every day. What is the will of Kevin? It's funny, not so much ha-ha funny, how often we want to know God's will, but we'll bypass God. We want to know his will. But to know his will, you've got to know him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and then he'll make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. To move with God, you've got to hear his voice. How do I know God's will for my life? How can I, how can I move with God? Well, doesn't it make sense? Doesn't it make sense that if we're doing the things that we know God wants us to do, then that maybe his specific will that we do not yet know would be made clear to us over time. Do the things you know to be God's will. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them uh, everything that I have commanded you, said Jesus. Serve God, serve others. Reach out and care for the least of these. Take the gospel to those who have never heard it. Love your enemies. Honor those who uh, honor your authorities. Respect them. Live in harmony with your Christian brothers and sisters. Meditate on the word. We know we're supposed to do that. Pray always. We know we're supposed to do that. I know these things. So do the things you know to be the will of God. And in doing them, there's a much greater chance that a specific call will be made clear to you. I don't know if God ever spoke to Cole about this girl. But as I drove home at 1.30 in the morning after my shift was over, I couldn't help to think that God was speaking to me saying, you're doing exactly what I want you to do. This is where you were supposed to be, and you were doing what I wanted you to do. But the life questions remain, don't they? Where does he want me to live? What kind of career path does he want me to pursue? Who does he want me to share my life with? Hey, those are good questions. But maybe we're missing out on something more important. Maybe we're missing out on, uh, maybe we just haven't added all of the questions together. We're we're asking questions about the temporary, about this life, uh, about our career and our job and where to live. We're asking questions about my desires and my comfort level. We're asking about the will of Kevin, or insert your name here. Instead, we should be asking about eternal things. Seek the will of God. Seek that which makes an eternal difference. Saves lives, rescues people from a life without God. That which will make, uh, that will help people make disciples. Do not store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
to store for your treasures where moth and rust can't destroy and thieves can't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What is important to you? What do you value? Do you desire to move with God or desire simply to do what you want to do and then hope and pray that, that God just comes along for the ride? Hey God, this is what I've decided. Come on. I hope it's okay with you. Then Jesus said to them all, Whoever wants my di- to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever wants to lose, whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. What good is it if you gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit your very self? Does God want you to be a youth minister? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. You might expect me to say that. You know what? We're all youth ministers. Or at least we ought to be. Because every one of us ought to be concerned with raising up the next generation to love and serve him. Every one of us. Does God want you to preach the gospel? Absolutely. He does. He wants you to do that. Does God want you to go to the other side of the world and be a missionary? Yes, he does. Does God want you to plant churches in in, in an urban area? A large urban area? Yes, he does. Does God want you to rescue girls and boys from the sex slave? Absolutely. Does God want you to bring healing to people who are abused and broken? Yes. Does God want you to feed the hungry? Yes. Does God want you to serve with a church that is unashamedly spreading the gospel? Yes. He is calling us to all of those things. Can I tell you what he's not calling you to? I heard a missionary say it here one time, maybe eight, nine years ago. He said, God's not calling you to a white picket fence. He's not calling you to a comfortable life in a comfortable home in a comfortable neighborhood with a comfortable income. Confession. I wrote those words and then thought to myself, but, but I live in a comfortable home in a comfortable neighborhood with a comfortable income. Yeah, it's true. But that's never been what I was called to. And if I ever, ever make that my priority, then I have turned away from seeking the will of God. And I've become concerned about what I want and hoping that God just comes along for the ride. Can I get a little personal with you here at the end? Some of you know about my family, many of you don't. My wife Debbie and I have three sons, three wonderful daughters-in-law, and eight hilarious grandkids. My heart is full. My heart is full with family. I love them. They are not perfect by any means. I don't care. They're mine. <laughs> my oldest son Jay and his wife Kate and their four kids, they, they, they live in Osaka, Japan, where, where they're planning a church and have sharing, they're sharing the gospel with people who've never heard of Jesus before. My middle son, Levi, he and his wife, Eden, their three girls, they live in Kentucky where he serves on a church staff doing administrative, organizational, and planning things for community pastors where they're reaching out to people, the unchurched people of their community. My youngest son, Ethan, and his wife, Audrey, and their, and their little boy, they live in Kobe, Japan, where they've planted a church and they're telling people the gospel, people who have never heard about Jesus before. All three of those guys have sat where you are sitting. And at one point, 
they were wakened by the voice of God. And they answered, just like Samuel, Speak, Lord, for I am your servant, and I am listening. Oh, they've had their shares of ups and downs. They've had their grief. They've got their everyday hardships, the fatigue and strain from the, the job, battles from the enemy, a sickness in the family, yet being so far away from family. All along with daily burdens of the church, they can't be here for every holiday. We don't get to celebrate uh, birthdays together. We, uh, we don't get to go to their soccer matches and their dance recitals and their school programs. We don't get to do those things. And I miss them. Sometimes I wish they were near, and sometimes I wish they lived down the street. But I want to tell you what Debbie and I tell them. You belong to God. You don't belong to your dad and your mom. You belong to God. So listen to his voice. Go where he tells you to go. Do what he's telling you to do. Say the words that he is telling you to say. And don't come home because it would be easier here. Life isn't supposed to be easy. We were never promised that. We were promised a lot of things, but we weren't promised that. So move with him. Go and be a world changer. Life's too short to not go where God calls. It's too short. I can't tell you exactly what God's will for your life is. I can't tell you if you are to marry or not or whom you should marry. I can't tell you where you should live or where you should do ministry or if you should do ministry. I can't tell you those things. But I can tell you that living according to God's voice is exactly what you should do. All we have to decide, said Gandalf to his young friend, is what to do with the time that is given to us. So use it well. Move with God. Change the world. To move with God, you've got to hear His voice. And when He speaks, reply just like Samuel, wakened from his sleep. Speak, Lord, for I am your servant and I'm listening.